Are you ready to become the dad you were meant to be? Good, because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect actions are better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they're called to be. We need Epic Dads now more than ever. And it is your responsibility and obligation to become the best father you can be and show your kids what is possible. Listen in for weekly tips, strategies, and actions you can take to go from average dad to epic dad. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. This is your host, as always, Drew Camp, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. Hey, thank you for being here. If this is your first time, we are a show that is committed to helping to change the culture by helping dads level up and become the husbands, fathers, and men that they're called to be because we know that our culture desperately needs it. And intentional and present fathers that actually lead their families is what is missing from our society. And so that is our mission. That is what we're focused on doing. We bring on high-performing dads on the show every week. Uh, it could be in the areas of fitness, finance, faith, relationships, you name it. Uh, and we want to have a discussion with them about what they are doing and how we can emulate it and get very tactical and practical about the steps we can take to level up in our life as a dad. And today, guys, we have got on a great guest, uh, and I'll, I'll hop into that in two seconds. But first, uh, if you've been listening to the show, we've been kind of teasing something that we have going on here that we're super excited to announce today. Uh, and it is called the Epic Dad Crew. Uh, now, the Epic Dad Crew is our online community of like-minded dads where we're all holding uh, each other accountable. We're supporting each other. We're challenging each other to really become the absolute best fathers that we can be uh, because uh, us dads are stubborn, right? Uh, we feel that we have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders alone, uh, that we can't ask for help because we'll look weak. Uh, we don't look to anybody for support or, you know, sometimes we may feel embarrassed, right? Because the problems that we have, it looks like everybody else has got it together. Uh, that's not the case. Um, you know, and, and getting plugged into a community with other men that are on the same mission with you is the unlock to fueling your growth and fulfilling your potential. You know, there's a cliche, but the cliches are for a reason. It is that you become the average of the five people you hang out with most. So if you're not where you want to be, uh, you need to change your environment. You need to change the people that you're hanging out with. You need to get around others that are going to challenge you. They're going to push you. They're going to hold you accountable to becoming the type of man that you say you want to be. And so if this sounds like you, then we would love to help. The Epic Dad crew would love to help, and we would love for you to join our online community. So inside the crew, you're not only going to get access to fitness programming, to nutrition resources, to accountability groups, to weekly meetings, but you're also going to get immediate access to what we call our Epic Dad Build Your Foundation course, which is going to walk you through our Epic Dad framework, which if you've listened to the last episode, uh, we talk about uh, the Epic Dad framework is the blueprint for how to become an Epic Dad. So inside the foundations course, you're going to get extreme clarity around your identity and your values, your vision, your mission. You're going to start learning how to get momentum, right? So if you're feeling stuck, we're going to talk about how to build the right type of habits, how to hold yourself accountable to those habits, and really how to create discipline in your fitness and your nutrition that is going to help you level up in every other area of your life. Now, the crew is by application only. So if you are ready to level up, if you are ready to start making some changes, if you've looked in the mirror and you are not where you want to be as a dad, then I am going to invite you to hit the link in the description fill out a quick application, and we look forward to hearing from you and seeing if it is a good fit. So that is the big announcement, guys. We've been working on the Epic Dad crew in some in some fashion for probably the last year and a half. Uh, and I feel like we finally hit the nail on the head. We've got it right. We have built this amazing community, and I would love to have you join and create some drastic positive changes in your life and let us help support you become the husband, father, and man that you were called to be. Okay. So today's episode, guys, uh, I have on uh, Mr. Reed Moore. So Reed is the lead pastor at the church that my family attends, uh, which is Gwinnett Church here in Georgia. Um, and Reed, I mean, what can I say? Reed is awesome. Um, so uh, Gwinnett Church is uh, kind of under the umbrella 
of Andy Stanley. So some of you guys might've heard of Andy. Um, you know, Andy is an incredible pastor, um, you know, and he leads is this huge congregation that's made up of these separate churches that are kind of localized in the community and really leads this, this one called Gwinnett Church. And so sometimes when I'm there, it's Andy talking, he gives a great message. Um, but there's just something about Reed. Uh, Reed is, is young, he's 38, so he's about my age. And so that might be why I resonate with him so much and our family resonates with his message. And I think that he just brings a, a different tonality um, kind of a different approach to, uh, you know, to the church and, and it's incredible. So I wanted to have Reed on and really get his perspective on a few things that I've been struggling with personally, uh, in my faith journey, um, and, and really how we as dads can step up, be the leaders in our home, uh, in, in our faith journey, right. With our children. And so Reed and I have a great discussion here. We really talk about what the Bible says, uh, about manhood. What does it mean to be a man? Uh, what does it also say, you know, that we should be doing as a father? Uh, and what examples do we have to look to, you know, as, as a father? And so Reed and I get get very tactical and practical on that. We also talk about, you know, with us accepting that we are the leader in our faith in the home is what does that look like? Like for real, what does that look like when we get down with our children? How how can we make sure that we are we are teaching the right values, that we are having intentional conversations with them, you know, about God, about Jesus? And so we get really, really tactical and practical about steps that you can take, um, you know, every day right? To make sure that you are teaching those values. And so guys, you are going to love this episode. You know, a lot of times what we do as dads is we, you know, we just say, Hey, we're going to leave that to mom. Right. And we do this in a lot of things. We do this with school, right? A lot of us dads are not involved in school. Kind of let mom handle that one. Uh, we're not, you know, exactly going to PTA meetings that that's mom's business. Uh, you know, we typically outsource any type of doctor's appointments or doctor's visits, you know, to mom as well. Um, you know, and one thing that we definitely outsource is, is church and faith. And so we know that we need to be the leaders of our, our family and we need to accept responsibility for leading our family. And part of that is accepting the responsibility that you are the leader in your home for your family's faith. And so if that's something you guys are interested in, you are going to love this episode with Reed. Um, and with that, guys, we will hop into today's episode. Reed, what's up, my man? Doing well. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad we were able to get this on the books, man. We had this, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago and had to push it back. And it's, it's a conversation I've been looking forward to a ton, man. So glad Absolutely. you're here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking forward to being on here, man. Thanks for yeah. inviting me. Yeah, for sure. So um, so just to give the guys some context, so Reed is the lead pastor at Gwinnett Church, uh, which is where my family goes. Um, and I tell you what, man, every time that you're on the docket, um, to, to be, you know, the presenter, the, the, yeah. the, the preacher, we look forward to it. Um, uh, appreciate it, no, man. No, nothing against Andy, you know, and he's yeah. like, he's the goat for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, but we just resonate with, with kind of the way that you approach, uh, your message. Obviously we're similar in age, you know, so yeah. I think, I think it just, it hits home a little bit closer, you know, for, for us as, as being yeah. a family. So, oh, I appreciate that, man. Thanks. So yeah, much. dude. Yeah, 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 but um, but for the guys that don't know you, man, just kind of if, if you wouldn't mind, just give a little bit of backstory on kind of what you're doing now, and yeah. then I'm sure we can dive into your story, you know, uh, of kind of you know childhood, getting to where you're at right now, and then I'd love yeah. to to really dive yeah. in and kind of talk what does fatherhood look like from a biblical perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, yeah. So I am I'm a dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, married, been married, uh, 14 years uh, this month. Okay. Congratulations. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So the, the 20th of this month, so that'll be 14 years. Uh, we got three kiddos. I got a nine-year-old girl, a seven-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's wild. And then yeah, pastor in a church, been the pastor, lead pastor here at Gwinnett church for, uh, in October, it'll be year three. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool, man. When did you guys get married then? Because I, I don't know how old you are, but I think we're about the same age, you know? Yeah, we, got, um, we got married. We got married. So I'm 38. We got married okay. right. I mean, I'm talking like right when we graduated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I graduated first, went and got a place um, in the in Snellville, Georgia. Oh, Everybody's somebody, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so that's, what, that's where I, I was working at the time was uh, a Methodist church. I was a youth pastor. And so we knew we were going to live there and we were engaged, but she still had a little bit of school left. So like right when we graduated, we got married. Yeah. Well, my wife and I got married young as well. Um, so it'd yeah. be thir 13 years for us um, in November and I'm 37. Right. So, so yeah. about the same, same path. Um, and it's funny. So, so I, 
propose while I was in the army. So I graduated, joined the army. Yep. Um, my wife's a little bit younger than I am. Yep. Um, so she actually dropped out of college, you know, and we got married and like moved, you know, to Fort Bragg and, and it's, it's been cool. And actually on, I was on a podcast last week, um, talking about marriage actually. And, um, you know, one of the things that was brought up was like, Hey, you know, you guys have been married for a long time. You're so young, you know, like what's, what's worked. And I'm like, well, one, I think I just got lucky. Cause I was like yeah. too, I was like too young to have those like really like conversations you're supposed to have, you know, totally. I think. Um, but then also it's just really cool to get married young because you grow so much with your partner, yeah. right? It's not like you're coming, you're coming at it from like two different life perspectives. It's like you, yeah. you come together early and you grow together, which is really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, totally. So Tim Keller, are you familiar with Tim Keller? Uh, is he like Keller Realty? No, no, no. no. So Tim, no, okay. Tim Keller, Tim Keller was a theologian. He just passed away this year and he, um, he wrote a book, uh, called the meaning of marriage. And he talks about uh, one of the one of the cool parts about marriage is uh, that you learn to love the stranger because you're constantly growing together. And mm -hmm. who you start with 14 years in is not who you're with anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, hopefully you're both growing and you're and you're, you know, transforming. And and so you learn each, you know, as the years go on, you learn to love this new person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like So like that is part of the adventure of marriage, man. So I love that you talk yeah. about yeah, you grow together. So it's cool. Yeah. Well, um, I want to, if you're open to it, um, yeah. I'd love for you to kind of tell your story of how like you got to being a pastor. Cause it wasn't always like, you know, you growing up in the church and like, yeah. you know, rah, rah, Jesus all the time. Right. So uh, yeah. And, um, and you told that, that story, I don't know. It must've been a month or two now, yeah. kind of your, your personal story. Um, I'd love, I'd love to hear that, man. If you wouldn't yeah. mind sharing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, my mom was like Catholic school kid, you know what I mean? Like, and so she had like a, a faith foundation, but like, we weren't like church people, you know what I mean? Like we weren't like, um, like we went to mass and stuff like that with her, my dad wasn't Catholic, so he couldn't even participate like in Catholic services. And so, um, yeah, so it was, it was like one of those things where it was like, faith was like, I don't know, it wasn't a big deal for us, um, uh, growing up. And then, um, my dad and he, uh, you know, he and I've had lots of conversations about this. So if he ends up listening to this, um, he knows, um, but my dad was an alcoholic growing up. You know, he he drank on the weekends. Church, we went to church with mom, but not really that that often. And uh, and then when he he got in some trouble with DUIs and got arrested, and uh, when that happened, my mom started looking for help. And so she starts looking for for help uh, in some places, and she finds some recovery meetings, some Al-Anon, Alateen meetings at a Methodist church, and she ends up getting into this church. And she hears about a personal relationship with Jesus and grace for the first time. And so she's all in, right? And uh, church kind of really like takes on a new role in her life. And uh, and so that was like a turning point for her where she starts, I think, probably praying and trying to like trying to emulate faith in our in our house. So it was like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can remember seeing my mom like reading her Bible in the mornings and going to Bible studies and things like that, but still wasn't my thing. Um, and kind of just really wasn't my thing. And then got to college and did what college freshmen do, man. And just lived it up, you know? Like, yeah. I'm just doing whatever. Like, yeah. And, um, and then came back from my freshman year of college to get a summer job. And my parents, you know, they were like, you're not going to sit around in the basement and play Xbox all summer. They're like, get out Watch. there and make, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and so I was like, all right, cool. My mom told me there was a guy at church that owned a landscaping business and that I could go work with him. And, uh, and I was like, all right, like, I guess that's cool. You know, I can mow grass, take my shirt off, you know, flex my muscles, whatever. And, uh, and so I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And just so happened that, uh, this guy was, a uh, a legit believer in Jesus, a legit follower of Jesus. I would say he was just the real deal, man. And he wasn't pushy or weird about it, but he talked about God, like God was somebody he knew. And he talked about his faith. Like it was a regular part of his life. It was so different than anything I'd ever seen, you know, like, um, than most of the Christians that I knew. And so I was, I was intrigued. I would say by this guy. And he just, man, he just talked to me about Jesus. Um, he talked to me about faith. He'd offer to pray for me. 
showed me grace, man, when I was a hot mess all that summer, you know, still going to parties and stuff and then showing up late for work. And by the end of that summer, he's invited me to Bible studies a thousand times. I haven't gone to any of them. I felt like I owed it to him to go to this like event, you know, he's like, my mentor is going to be speaking. And I was like, ah, fine. So I ended up going, man. And when I went, uh, that person just read my mail, if you will, you know, like if you've mm. ever you ever felt like, man, somebody's just speaking and they're like saying they're hitting all the points that are your tension points, you know? And um, at the end of the message, they did like an altar call type deal, you know, heads bowed, eyes closed type deal. If, you, if you've if you been around church, um, uh, people listening, but, um, but I got up and people I think thought I was going to walk to the front and I walked out. And people, <laughs> no, you know, I walked out because I didn't want to get emotional in front of these people I didn't really know. He followed up with me, ended up talking to me. We, we, I still have lots of, still had lots of questions. And in the process, you know, by the end of the summer, um, I'm about to head back to the university of Georgia. And as I'm about to head back, he was like, man, I just got to know where you're at with Jesus. And I was like, Oh no, you know, he's, he's asking the question. And, uh, I remember telling him, man, I was sitting in his truck and I said, I don't think God loves people like me. And I'll never forget, dude, he pulled over on the side of the road and he looks, he's like, look at me. Cause I was looking at the floorboard of his truck and he said, uh, you're exactly the kind of person God loves. And he's like, he only loves and welcomes sinners and broken people. So he's like, you're, you're it, bro. And I believed him, man. I believed him. I think, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about this before, but I, I believed that that was true because I'd seen it in that guy. Mm-hmm. I had the tangible love of God. You know, we, we talk a lot at our church about it's hard for people to believe in the love of an invisible God if they don't witness it in visible people. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And so for me, man, I had seen it in a person and he had shown me that love. And so it made that love all the more believable. And so, man, I, I did. I jumped in, submitted my life to Christ, started following Jesus. And, uh, and then that was like the beginning of all of it for me getting into, you know, from there it was sign me up to serve. And then he's, you know, bought me a Bible, read the stuff in red, do what it says. You know what <laughs> I mean? And that was, that was the entry, you know, to, to ministry for me, man. Yeah. It's a powerful story, man. Um, I, I want to pull on the thread a little bit about your pops too. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like not, not everybody listening to this is going to be a person of faith and that, yep. that's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, but, but I think there are so many things that we can try to emulate and that the Bible teaches us as to how we should be living as a father. Um, and one of those is that, that kind of, you know, unconditional love, right. And, and, you know, no, letting your child know that they are accepted, right. Like no matter what. Um, and so like, how did that play on you from a faith perspective with your, your dad, not, not, not kind of being that leader, um, you know, taking you to the church and things like, do you think that that, that played a big role in, kind of your path, you know? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, like, and, and again, like, like I said, my dad knows this, like early on for me, part of the reason why I didn't go to church is I thought if dad doesn't go, then I don't have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and so for me, it was like, um, because mom was the one dragging us to church, you know, I'm just being fully like faith felt feminine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It felt like that's a girl thing. Um, and there's nothing wrong with strong women in our lives and thank God for the moms that pray for us and, and take us to church and reinforce faith. Um, but it, it made it feel like, oh man, like faith is for girls. Dad's not going, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. And especially when I got the keys to the car, you know what I mean? Like when I, when it was my choice and I had, you know, I bought my first vehicle. If dad's not going, no way I'm going, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. for me, like part of my, part of my avoidance of faith was I thought, you know, well, it's not important to dad. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I feel like, like the, one of the biggest problems that I see in our culture today. Well, I mean, so you don't, you know, a little bit about like the, the podcast, you know, totally. the, company, the company, right. But our mission is like to change the culture. Like that's our mission, right. To change the culture by creating more epic dads. Yep. And to, to do that as a dad, one of the core tenants is like, you have to accept responsibility, right. Yep. For, for everything. Um, and you know, I, I agree with you, right? Like myself growing up too, it's funny that, that you mentioned that like mom was the one pressing to go to church and stuff like that. Right. Like that that was my lens as well growing up, but my dad, my dad would attend. Um, but I didn't find out till later on that that was really my dad driving that. Um, you know, he, he just, he just didn't, he didn't make it known, um, just kind of in the background. Right. And so I think that's one thing that I've tried to do, you know, with, with my family is like, 
you know, is, Hey, we, we, you know, wake up late or whatever. We're rushed. It's like, I don't care. We're going, we're going, you know, it's like, we're going, that's what we do. Yep. Um, You know, and I think that that's missing. And that's part of the reason why we've seen such a decline in culture, um, you know, is the leadership from dads and taking that responsibility uh, of being like, I I need to be the one to drive this. And that's something that dads, we, we, we give up that responsibility so much to, to mom. Right. And it could be like, school, you know, doctor's visits, like totally. everything, just like, Hey, we'll just, you know, that's, that's mom's job. It's just my job to provide, yep. um, you know, and, and our, our job as a dad is so much more than just financial provision. It, it has to be. I mean, even, you know, you're talking about, yeah, school, yeah. Doctor's visits. Um, sometimes, sometimes as dads will step in at sports practices, but um, bedtime routine, bath time mm-hmm. routine, like those types of things. Like a lot of times, yeah, we want to default that to mom because, oh yeah, you know, I worked all day. And so like, I just need to kick my feet up and I'll let mom do nighttime prayers and things like that. Those are just things that you're right, man. I just didn't, I never saw that modeled growing up, you know, not that my dad never did bedtime routine, but I mean, he traveled Monday through Friday. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, but he definitely, it was, there was no, he didn't do nighttime prayers or anything. So faith was completely relegated to the women in my life. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That That's one thing too, man. Like, like nothing against my pops and he listens to this sometimes. Right. But like, you know, he, he, I don't ever remember seeing him like praying like ever. No. Right. Yeah. And like, like we never prayed together, you right. know? And so that, that's been one thing that I've tried to do um, you know, with my kids, it's like, Hey, let's, let's pray together every night. You know, it's like, it's gotta yeah. be me leading by example, you know, because if I, if I delegate that responsibility, it's not that my, you know, I don't trust my wife to do it. Right. But like, that's my, that's my job as the father is, is to lead oh. and like set the example, you know? Yeah. Yeah. One, well, especially if we want, if we want our kids to have a, uh, that balanced view of faith, that faith is not just the women in our lives, but mm-hmm. man, it's, it's, it's as masculine as anything, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think a lot of guys, a lot of dads end up being intimidated by the idea of prayer. Like, well, what, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, maybe I'm not good at prayer or I don't know what to say. And so they, they default that, um, mm-hmm. or they're, or they're afraid to be, you know, emotional or if prayer feels too intimate, it's kind of like, we're, we're not in touch with our emotions, you know what I mean? Like as guys. And so we, we default that over to mom. Um, and yet one of the most powerful things you could do with your kids is just to sit down and talk to God with them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like show them that and to set that example. So yeah. 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 How, how did you start doing that? I'm interested. I'm interested. Like, how did you start doing that? Like, why did you start doing that? Right. It's like, and, and I could probably ask a question to myself too. Right. Because I didn't have that example, yeah. you know, growing up. And so it's like, at what point did you recognize like, okay, this is not mom's job. Like she's going to do it as well, but like, I need yeah. to take this on. Yeah, well, I think I so I think because I came to faith late, you know what I mean? Like, so in my here I am, I'm like 19, 20 years old. I started reading the Bible for the first time at that age. And I just it was all fresh. And like, like, man, it was it was all just so raw. And I'm reading it differently than I think maybe somebody who might have grown up in church and it feels like, you know, feels vacation Bible schoolish, you know, some of the stories they they didn't read that way to me. Mm-hmm. So nothing about faith at that point when I when I started following Jesus feminine anymore. You know what I mean? Like it was like mm-hmm. oh, man, like all this stuff. And the guy that led me to Christ was like such a a dude's dude, you know, like mm-hmm. He's, he's got the beard and the work boots and we're like mowing grass together every day. So that example kind of set me on a trajectory that I knew when my, even when my wife and I got married, I was like, man, I want to, to model this well. And when we have kids one day, I want them to see dad pray. And I want them to, for us to go to church together and for us to have like not just conversations, you know, for me and my dad, the only thing we ever talked about, the only thing we could ever talk about for me growing up was sports. So we ne- we never talked anything deeper than that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There was never any conversation beyond, you know, how's the weather and, you know, Braves look good this year type conversations. And that was it. I mean, we could be in the car. So like, I remember one time driving to, we're driving down to Florida and it's maybe for a tournament or something that, you know, I'm playing soccer at the time. And the only thing we talked about was like the Braves and the Falcons and the Bulldogs. And you're like, man, we were in the car for six hours, you know? <laughs> and we never pushed beyond that like surface level conversations. Yeah. And I knew I was like, man, I want to have better conversations than that. So some yeah. of my 
some of my uh, injecting faith conversations and wanting to lead the way is almost a, a response to like, I'm not going to do yep. what my dad did. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, it, it's kind of exact same scenario for me, right? It's, it's, you know, very surface level conversations, right? And, and not, not that I'm taking anything away from my father, like he, he you know, is an amazing man. Totally. Um, and, you know, that there's a lot of generational changes as well to where we are now yep. uh, versus previous generations and kind of what the focus was, right? But, um, but yeah, I, I just want to have, I want to, you know, take the best of what my dad gave me and make yep. it better, right? Um, yeah. you know, for, for my kids. And, and, and a lot of that is I, I want to have those conversations, you know, um, because one thing that, that I'd like to dive into kind of after this point is, you know, we are, are facing, we, we've got our, our backs up against the wall right now, like as a culture, I think, right. We, we see, yeah. we see all these stats, yeah. you know, um, you know, that, that are extremely negative, like, like crime yeah. is increasing, homelessness is increasing, um, you know, it's just, it's a mess out there. Right. And, yeah. and like, like I said, my hypothesis is we need to step up and, and be men and, and fathers and lead. But yeah. one thing that I struggled with, um, was, okay, what does a man do? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's great. But like, I never had those conversations about like, cool. Am I, am I being a man right now? And like yeah. society and culture, you know, is, is pushing all this stuff down on us from media and politics, you know, that, that's not really what a man should be. And so, like I, I had to do a lot of work about like, okay, what, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Like to make sure that I'm, I'm on the path and that yeah. that's where that accept responsibility, you know, comes into it totally. and, and lead courageously uh, and, yeah. and reject passivity is kind of the three, the three tenets uh, that I see. But, but I, I want to know just from the Bible's perspective, like what, what is a man and like, what, what is masculine, you know, and like, what should we be doing as men? Like, like yeah. what, what does the Bible tell us to do? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, well, so there's like, yeah, there's, there's the, um, there's, there's obviously like, you know, Genesis account, like back at the very beginning where you're talking about God creating male and female, giving them roles, giving them, you know, defined, hey, you know, provision, uh, leadership, direction. Um, hey, you're going to have dominion. This is what he says to the first, you know, to Adam. Mm-hmm. I want you to to rule over the creation and I want you to to lead it um and to lead it into flourishing. You know what I mean? Like and so I think part of part of our role as guys is um to lead, to guide, to direct and protect um our our families and whatever it is that we put our hands to to guard and to guide that into flourishing. You know what I mean? Like and mm-hmm. so so when you think about your role as a dad in a family like hey, I I am I am to guard and to guide, to direct and to protect and to lead, uh, you know, my wife uh, into flourishing. I'm to lead my kids into flourishing. Um, And so you see that all throughout scripture is like, man, this is very, very much, like I said, direct, protect, guard, guide. It's even the way Jesus sets himself up by comparing himself to a shepherd. What, what do shepherds do for sheep? They direct and protect, they guard mm-hmm. and they guide, you know what I mean? Like in order for uh, the flourishing of the flock. Right. And so this is, this is, you know, Jesus says, Hey, I'm the, I'm the pinnacle of this. And, um, and so that's kind of the picture that we get for like, biblically, what, what are we supposed to do as men? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, there's lots of other places you can look where um, either the apostle Paul speaks to uh, what makes for, uh, good leadership in men. So you can look in Timothy and in Titus where, you know, Hey, he's supposed to manage his household. Well, make sure that his kids are, are growing up in the faith, um, making sure that he's loving his wife and serving his wife. Um, is he using his strength for service? Is he using his power to protect? Is he, um, is he someone who pursues righteousness? You know what I mean? Like, is he a, is he a disciplined man, uh, not prone to drunkenness, not prone to, and, and the idea there is like not prone to excess, you know what I mean? But disciplined and measured in the way that he lives his life. Is he someone above reproach? So lots of, lots of instruction there of what we're meant to do, but I love the image of, you know, direct and protect for the sake of flourishing. That's what we guard and guide for the sake of flourishing. You know what I mean? Like our role as men, even just on the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we, we, you know, we're just constantly getting battered, right. From, I, I call it like the, the Homer Simpson syndrome, right. Yeah. Of like, you know, it, it's, this is what's portrayed as, as what a man is, what a father is in our society, yeah. right. This guy that like, 
like you said, you know, gets home from work, kicks off his feet, has some beers, you yeah. know, watches the football game, you know, doesn't care about his family, you know, all this stuff, right? And it's like, totally. if, if we see that everywhere, you know, it just gets ingrained in our mind. And so we've got to kind of break that and, and, and figure out, okay, no, that that's not correct. What does the Bible say about being a man and, and what actually should I be doing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, good. another good place to look, you got Ephesians. Ephesians talks about, um, you know, loving and serving your wife, how, how to, how to, how to lead your kids, what that should look like, the mutual, you know, give and take in those relationships. Um, it's just another great, great place to look for how we use our strength for service. Um, but also like, you know, leading for the sake of the flourishing of the other people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And one word you mentioned there too, that I thought was very interesting is is discipline. Um, You know, and we, so like our company is not like faith-based, right? We're, we're yeah. you know, a, a lot of us are, I am, but um, what we really talk about is, hey, how do I become a better father, right? And, and a lot of that is through being a disciplined person. Yep. Uh, and specifically, we talk about, you know, discipline in your fitness and your diet and uh, your mindset, Ooh. but but like, what do you, what do you mean from a faith perspective in, in discipline? And mm-hmm. like, what are some things like tactically that, that guys can do to make sure that we're staying disciplined in our faith? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so when I'm talking about, yeah, discipline, I definitely think, you know, the areas like physical discipline and things like that. Like, I think that that's, that's important. I think discipline from the standpoint of, um, modeling what you hope to see, you know what I mean? Like, like, Hey, does my life image what I hope my kids will be one day, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, um, and, and my model, and the only way that you're going to do that is through disciplines, you know what I mean? Like, um, and then I think, yeah, when it, when it comes to your, for me, one of my disciplines are my, are, or an area of discipline for me are, is the area of spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. So like you said, not everybody listening to this is, is faith-based, but I think, um, for me, an area that I practice discipline is in the area of spiritual disciplines. And that's because, um, I know, that if I don't prioritize it, um, other things will just vie for that time. You know what I mean? And I want to have a growing faith and I want my kids to see that. And, uh, and so I have to prioritize that and I have to schedule time for it. And, um, and I have to make it a priority in the same way that I have to do with my physical exercise. You know what I mean? Like, so when I get up right now, um, I do 5 a.m., I get up and the first 15 minutes for me are spent with God uh, before I check a screen or uh, an email or a social media or anything like that. My first 15 minutes um, are devoted to God. And that's, you know, that's just, I have a devotional that I listen to and like, it just sets my heart and my mind in the right place. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then what I'll do is I'll take an observation from whatever I got that morning. I'll text it out to five other guys for accountability because you know, you know, this, uh, there is no discipline without accountability. You know what I mean? Like, so you got to have the accountability aspects. So I'll text five other guys and we all text in and, uh, and then I get in the car and I go and I work out and I work out with three of those guys that, that I also text in the morning. Nice. So there's nice. physical, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. there's the spiritual and the physical and, you know, what's cool is that we're then able to, we're talking about some of the stuff that we read that morning or, or some of the stuff we listened to and, um, yeah, those are just, I mean, again, I, I look at it and I go, what do I hope my kids replicate one day? And then I try to create disciplines in my life to make sure that my life looks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that all throughout the scriptures. I mean, the apostle Paul says in the first Corinthians, he says, I beat my body and make it my slave so that I don't fall victim uh, to the very things that I preached against. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and so he's going like, hey, I have disciplines in my life so that my life looks like what I preach. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to make sure, you know, for me, I look at it and I go, man, I want my, my, my wife and my kids to see a person whose life matches the stuff that they preach. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that requires discipline, man. You don't get there on accident. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you working? Where are you working out at? Uh, I I go up to the high school right now. So one of the guys is is a, is a high school, uh, basketball coach. And so, uh, so he lets us in the, the football gym. And so we go in there, man. It's nice. They got all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice, yeah. man. Well, um, well, I mean, so having that discipline in your faith, that's yep. something that I've been working on, um, you know, and we preach all the time about like morning routines and things like that. Right. And, and 
you know, especially as a busy dad with kids and, yep. and young, young children, like thanks for going to pop up. Like you're not always going to have like the perfect morning routine, at oh, least, yeah. like a single bachelor that like wakes up and spends like yeah. four hours doing a cold bath and yeah. you yeah. know, all this, all this stupid stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But like one thing that's been helpful for me with the morning routine is, is setting an, an agenda of like the things I want to do. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I want to get into prayer. I want to get into devotion. I want to get into yep. breathing, you know, yeah. exercise, et cetera, all those things. That's like the agenda. But then stacked right next to that is what is my intention for my morning routine? And yep. so for me, like my intention is to connect with myself and to connect with God in the morning. And yep. that way I know like if something happens and I'm not able to, to do all those amazing <laughs> things that like make me feel really good. Yep. It's like, hey, I can at least spend like 10 minutes. Right. And like meet, meet that intention, you know? And so that, that's been something that's helpful for me. Um, what, what is pro so like morning routine wise, I, I want to talk through kind of, again, selfishly for me, it's like, yeah. what is, what does that spiritual time look like for you? You said it was a devotion, yeah. but one thing that I've struggled with is prayer. Yeah. Um, and really the only thing that has like helped me, you know, with prayer and like getting in the zone for like lack of a better word yeah. has been like finding the right time to do it and like being primed for prayer. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is almost getting myself to a heightened state. And the best way that I've found to do that has been like after strenuous activity, yeah. Um, you know, because like you do, you do physical activity, you know, you're kind of yeah. have this high, these endorphins going right. And yeah. then I can kind of, you know, focus in, um, and, and really, you know, um, feel like I'm praying effectively, if that makes yeah. sense. I, I feel yeah. like if I, if I just am like, all right, cool, I'm gonna pray right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I can't do that. You know, I gotta like yeah. prime myself for it. So what are some things that have been helpful for you to, to make sure that, that, that you are getting into that state to have like yeah. effective prayer? Yeah. Yeah. I would say like, for me, one of the most helpful things is, uh, is kind of having, uh, for lack of a better a layout for my prayer times. Um, I kind of, I pray through like a similar rhythm. So I have, I have my prayer times like broken up into, into chunks where, um, I begin with gratitude and I just try to list some things that are top of mind that I'm grateful for. A lot of mornings, it might even be the same things. Hey, I'm mm -hmm. thankful for life this morning. I'm thankful for breath in my lungs. I'm thankful for uh, the health that I'm enjoying today. I'm thankful for the provision. I'm thankful for my family. You know what I mean? Like um, starting with gratitude to me, uh, that helps me. Okay. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to God. I'm, I'm expressing gratitude. It's getting my heart and my mind in the right place. So I begin with gratitude. Um, I move into submission. So um, I'll go through some things that I'm thankful for. And then I'll just say, hey, God, today, my mind, it's yours. What I think about, yours. My eyes, they're yours. The things that I look at, let it be pleasing to you. My mouth, it's yours. The words, the conversations that I'm a part of, they're yours. You know what I mean? Uh, my hands, what I do today, I want it to be yours. Direct it. My feet direct me and my desires. Uh, would you direct them? And then I move into kind of an asking and I'll ask God for certain things. I might even sometimes pull up my calendar and just go, God, I got this meeting today. I'm nervous about it. Or, um, you know, I know this one's going to be contentious. Would you give me grace for it? And, uh, and so I'll ask God for specific things. And, you know, uh, in certain seasons, there's bigger lists than others. And then, uh, and then, man, and then I just, and then I just kind of, after I ask God, I just, you know, just kind of invite him, hey, lead me throughout the day. And that's kind of my normal prayer routine. That rhythm to me is helpful. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like having a, a flow, because uh, you're right. Sometimes you're like, man, you sit down to pray and you're like, well, I don't know where to start or what to say. And, you know, there's a person who's sick. I'll, I'll God be with them. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then, you know, I remember, I remember when I first started, you know, a prayer routine. I was like, gosh, I feel like I prayed for everything that I knew to pray for. And it was like two seconds, you know what I mean? I was like, <laughs> all right, that was it. Like, I guess that's all I got. Yeah. You know? Um, and so having that, that format for me is really helpful in my prayer times in the morning. And sometimes they go longer and sometimes it's, sometimes that takes me five minutes to run through, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and so I try not to measure the quality of my prayer times on the quantity of the prayer time. You know what yeah. I mean? Give myself the grace to go, man, I connected with God and he can do five minutes. He can do more with the five minutes I gave him than I could do with, you know, five hours. So that's amazing that I connected with God. So I try not to, I try not to be too hard on myself, but I like having the, the format. Another thing that 
another thing that I do that I enjoy, there's a, there's actually a devotional app called Lectio 365. So for anybody listening, it's just, it's a free app and uh, it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes, Lectio 365. And it is literally guided prayer with, um, with some scripture reading. It's audible. You just throw your headphones in, you're listening. Um, you got a speaker in the shower. You can, you know, while you're taking your morning shower, you throw that thing on and it just, it reads scripture. It, it guides you through a couple prayers and gives you some thoughts for the day. And mm-hmm. it's 10 minutes. So it's not super time consuming. So people that are, oh, I don't have time for it. I'm like 10 minutes, man. Like it takes you more than 10 minutes to get ready in the morning, you know? So you can throw it on during your even get ready routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and having so- somebody else guide some of your prayer yeah, can be really, really helpful too. Cause you're like, I don't know what to pray about. And then they give you a prompt and you're like, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Cause that, that, that's one thing I've struggled, struggled with it, it. Like I think my whole life is like, what do I pray about? Right. Is yes. because, you know, God is, is, you know, omniscient or whatever that word is. He, he's everywhere. Right? He knows everything. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. well, what, what, what should I pray for? Cause I, I used to get so mad, man, in sports yeah. in, in like high school sports, we'd like pray for the game. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and to my, you know, myself, I'm thinking like, God does not, excuse my language, like give a shit about our game we're about to play. You know, I'm like, I'm like, he's got more important things to worry about, you know, but like, but with that though, it's right. At at what level do we pray? Right. Because we can be extremely tactical about like this one little thing or do we, you know, is it, is it broader picture about like, you know, help, you know, help society or, or yeah. you know, whatever. Right. It's like, yeah. that's always where I've kind of struggled, you know, it's like, what, what yeah. actually am I praying for? So I think that that can be a good resource. It's just using yeah. some devotionals, using some guides to, to help stimulate, you know, so, some thoughts that you can pray about. Yes. Yes. That's been, to me, that's been awesome. So mm-hmm. if anybody's interested in that, I'm telling you like, again, 10 minutes and it, and it gives you a couple little, little prompts. Hey, pray for this, this morning, or take a few minutes just to talk to God about this. And you're like, Okay, you know, giving you a little mm-hmm. guidance for the for the day. So yeah, yeah. Well, um, so I want to sh- shift to again something kind of selfishly for me yeah. is like like our kids are kind of the same age. Yeah. Um. Right. So I've got seven, five, uh, you know, girls, and then a boy yeah. that that's eighteen months, and so kind of in that same age range. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that has been weighing on my mind is really like you know what is the age of accountability, right? Like yeah. you know when when a kid is is you know a toddler or whatever, you know, like uh, you know obviously they're gonna lie, they're gonna do whatever, and it's like okay, at what point are they actually? going to be responsible for this sin. I'll admit I haven't searched very hard. Yeah. I've had I've had some discussions with people that have differing opinions, but yeah. I'd love to know, like, you know, does the Bible specifically talk about this with children? And, yeah. you know, because because my, my daughter, you know, is going to this awesome church, going at church. Yeah. And, and you know, she's, she's having conversations. She's seeing people get saved. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, when should that happen? Because yeah. you're, you're seven. Like, I'm not sure if you totally comprehend, you oh. know, what this decision means. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, I, you know, I also know as you're getting older, you know, what's right and wrong. So yeah. like what, you know, at what point does that cross over? Yeah. 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 So scripturally speaking, there's not like, um, there's not like a verse. Yeah. It's like when you yeah. are eight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Upon the age, you know, yeah, exactly. Um, that, that talks about like an age of accountability. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, cause you know, in, in scripture, kids are, you know, pre-Jesus, they're kind of viewed as like nuisance or like, you know, like what, what are you even doing? You, you can't, you can't help out with the work yet. You know what I mean? Like type deal. So what you see is there is in Jewish though, like custom in mm-hmm. accountability, if you will, um, you know, around 13, you have young boys going through, bar mitzvah and um it's you know interesting you're talking about manhood ownership of faith was equal to stepping into manhood Mm. part of your rite of passage which is probably something that our society is missed is missing as well Mm -hmm. as like 100 Mm. part of a rite of passage in a jewish culture was uh was a young man or a young woman owning their faith in front of the congregation and in front of the community. So it's, 
It's I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to quote scripture. I'm going to let you know that I'm, you know, I understand this. And uh, their ownership of faith came along with their participation in in culture and society. And that was their rite of passage. It was very much a faith rite, mm-hmm. of, which is probably why we have that kind of idea of like age of accountability being around 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, it goes way back to, to that like kind of rite of passage into they're making that decision to, mm. to trust in Jesus. Um, and so we honor that. Um, we don't do it. We don't do it before, like in, you know, we're not doing a pre-K four-year-olds, five-year-olds, you know um, I think once they're second grade, we start offering them the chance to go through mm-hmm. uh, what we call jump start, which is where we just kind of talk about what it is if they, if they're interested and they're asking questions about, Hey, why do people get baptized and things like that? We talk to them about it. And, um, you know, we kind of basically with the parents, we sit down and we go, can this kid articulate the gospel, why they would want to believe this and what Jesus has done for them. And if they can, um, then we'll honor that decision. Um, and just knowing though, that there's going to be more conversations along the Mm -hmm. way. You're yeah. right. You know, once once you're 13, 14, 15, when you're 18 and your sin is more than stealing some bubble gum, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're lying to your mom about eating the M&Ms or whatever, like, and it's, it's come with some real consequences and some heavier consequences. That's why you see, you know, in, in a lot of church settings, you see a kid that got baptized when they were eight years old, come back around at 16 and go, I think I need to get baptized. Again. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the good thing is we, we have the conversation, we go, you don't need to get baptized again, but now you do have a more grown up understanding of your faith and what Jesus did for you. And so you might need, you might need to recommit, you know what I mean? Like you might mm-hmm. need, you might need to sit down and and confess some things to a, to a trusted friend or to a leader or to a pastor. Um, but, but you don't have to get rebaptized. you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. So with that, I'm like, man, age of accountability, when, when are kids responsible for the decisions that they make when they know that it's right and wrong? when can i start holding my kiddos at home responsible and um and when do they need to apologize and actually like you know own their stuff as soon as they realize that what they did was wrong and they did it willfully you know what Mm. i mean um yeah yeah my my two-year-old bites somebody and they're just playing around that's one thing my five-year-old my seven-year-old you know like they bite somebody and they know darn good and well that that was you know, then they need to own that and they need to take responsibility and, um, and they, they recognize that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's probably just on me to dive into scripture a little bit more, you know, as well and get a better understanding. And, you know, the, the part that just worries me, right. It's like, Hey, I I know that they know that what they're doing is right or wrong. Right. And, and that there is sin there. And so, you know, what, what does the scripture say about, okay, if, if the worst is to happen, right. And, and my great, my greatest fear. Yeah. Oh. Is imagined, right. Like, am I doing the right thing as a father by holding them back from making that decision because they don't fully understand it yet? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and want to make sure that I'm, I'm setting them up for success <laughs> for lack of a better word. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so that, that's really where, where my mind goes for accountability is, is, yeah. Hey, yes, they're accountable for their actions. Right. As soon as they, they can realize it's wrong. But yep. like, at what point is God holding them accountable for those decisions? You know, yep. important thing for us to remember too, is that we look at the outside, the decisions, the, the, the landmark moments, the, you know, did you take this step and God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, you know, this is my personal belief, a seven-year-old who loves Jesus, but their parents haven't made the decision for them to get baptized yet. And God forbid, there's some tragic car accident, yada, yada, yada. God knows the heart of that seven-year-old, do you know, mm-hmm. what I mean? and knows the faith of that seven-year-old. And they didn't need the baptism moment at church. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they didn't yeah. need to go through the proper class in order to be received into his kingdom. Um, and if you want scripture and stuff like that for that, you got the thief on the cross, never prayed a prayer. Never, mm. never made a decision to get baptized. He said, would you remember me? And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't jump through any of the hoops. Um, and then you also have King David and um, and his first son with Bathsheba, uh, who does not make it. And um, that baby dies right after being born. 
And, um, and David says with confidence, he says, I know that child is with the Lord, mm. you know what I mean? And, um, and he has this confidence that, that, you know, yeah, that baby never got to, you know, make decisions mm-hmm. like that. And so you look at it and like, there's multiple instances where, where you have, so we can trust the, a lot of the moments that we create are helpful for us. Mm-hmm. You know, the baptism yep. moment is a, Hey, it's, it's an outward symbol in the same way that your wedding ring is an outward symbol. But if you took your ring off or if you're, you know, like my three-year-old flushed mine down the toilet, you know, <laughs> like, when that happens, you know, it doesn't mean you're not married anymore, you know? So, um, yeah. So I think that that's, that's some of the things that I lean into in those moments to, to mm-hmm. remember, you know? So, yeah, no, those are great examples for sure. And, uh, like I said, just at, you know, as a father, right. There, there's such a shift to, it's not about you anymore. It, it's about, you know, other people, you know? And so, yeah. Um, that's always something that's weighed on my mind. So I appreciate the, the examples there. Um, yeah. so I'd love to go into also like, like with your, your children and, and being in school age and things like that, like, like, what does it look like to, to guide them in faith knowing that culture is, is teaching the wrong things uh, most of the time. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I, I call it like unschooling is like, yeah. Hey, my kids go to school for, you know, eight hours a day, whatever. Right. They come home. It's like, that's great. They're at school. They're learning a little bit, you know, but, but we go through this process of like, I need to like unschool them. Right. Of like, Hey, actually tell them what's important, what they should be learning about, you know, and things like that. So are there, are there any things that you do with your, your kids just to make sure that, that you're, you're teaching them all these, you know, these valuable lessons from the Bible, like tactically throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month. Yeah. I mean, something that we do pretty consistently uh, around dinner time is we have conversation at the dinner table and we go, Hey, tell me, tell me the high point, the low point, and tell me, you know, something that made you laugh or something that made you, you know, upset today. You know what I mean? And, uh, and we'll have a conversation at the dinner table about that stuff. And usually that's when certain things bubble up. Hey, what'd you learn today? What, what, what'd you love about today? And they'll talk about, oh, okay, well talk to me about what, what does that mean? You know? And that's where we get to have some of those conversations uh, unpacking, so dinner time and mm-hmm. bedtime are like mm-hmm. key for, for me. So those are my two like big areas to like lean in and have conversations. So, you know, at dinner time, it's how was your day? What'd you learn? What was your high point, low point? You know, something that made you laugh or, or something that made you frustrated. And then at bedtime, it's how's your heart? How, how's your heart? Like, um, you know, is there anything in there that's like, you know, are you frustrated, afraid, any of that kind of stuff? That's, that's when I'm doing my bedtime routine with them. Uh, we usually read a book. I'll let them pick a book. Sometimes, sometimes they want to pick the Bible. They don't always pick the Bible. We'll read other books. You know what I mean? Like, um, but we'll read a book and then, uh, and then we'll talk about, Hey, how's your heart? And then we, we have a time of prayer. And, uh, those are my moments. I mean, just even for example, last night, with my daughter, it was, uh, we had this great conversation about how to be a great teammate. Um, cause there's some bullying on her team. I mean, they're nine and they're already, mm-hmm. uh, there's already some bullying stuff going on on her team where, you know, there's a few of the girls that have played together for a long time that are all tight and they've kind of created a click within the team. And my daughter, you know, as we're sitting down and, Hey, how's practice? You know, like we're kind of talking about some things, how's your heart. And she's kind of going, uh, and I could tell something's bothering her. And uh, the thing that was bothering her is that she's a part of the click, but she feels bad about it. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking, you know what I mean? Like that night, hey, well, what, what makes you feel bad? Well, you know, I got this one girl and she's not so nice to everybody. And I, I didn't really speak up. Well, why did that bother you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, this is kind of your, your teaching moments, you know, just yeah. right there. And, uh, and man, I, I'll tell you, like, Something that I do intentionally is I try to get down on their level. So I'm either laying on the bed with them or I'm on mm-hmm. my next to the bed. Um, eye level with your kids. I mean, this mm-hmm. is just real tactical, practical. Yeah. Face to face with your kiddos. When you get down on their level, there's just something that feels so relatable and so personal. Um, making eye contact with your kids. And so, um, yeah. And so we have those conversations and then we'll pray about it. And, um, and I'll invite them to pray with me. And we'll talk about that thing, you know what I mean? And we'll bring that to God. And I'll even sometimes, you know, they don't know what to say. So they, I just say, Hey, will you repeat after me? Hmm. Simple prayers, you know what I mean? Like, and so, but yeah, that's some of the stuff. That's some of the ways that we have those conversations and work them into um, dinner time and bedtime. Those are prompts for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah no, dinner time's awesome, man. Um, yep. And then the, I, I would agree the funniest conversations happen at, at, at bedtime. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause my, <laughs> so like my daughter, my younger daughter, uh, she hasn't been like diagnosed or whatever, but like, she's yeah. obviously like ADHD, like to yes. the extreme. Yeah. Um, and so we, we have just like the most hilarious conversations at, at night, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, good night. Good night. Like yeah. I gotta leave. Good night. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and so it'll, it'll end up being like 20 minutes in there just talking about random stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Getting on another level. Right. Um, and just kind of being present. And like one of the biggest things that that we get hit up all the time about by guys that listen to the show and are part of our community is like, it's like balancing time and being intentional, you know, because like yeah. we have so much, so much going on as dads. It's like there's there's small things that you can do right. That they're going to have a huge impact. And one of them is dinner time, right. Yep. It's being present at dinner time and making that intentional time. You can have conversation and, and be present with them. Right. So put your, put your freaking phone away. Yep. Um, and then, and then not, you know, don't just be like, all right, let's eat dinner. Like, like have a plan going into it. Like, it sounds like yep. you do, right. It's like, yep. Hey, every day we're going to talk about the same type of stuff, you know? So it's like, yep. well, yeah. How does your day go? What was the best part? And like, what we do is we say, Hey, what was your what was your three, three of your favorite things that happened today? Right. And then, Perfect. and then what was, what was one thing that, that you didn't like that happened? Right. And we talk yep. about that. Um, and then we, so we have what we call our family, like identity or family code. Yeah. Um, and, and ours is like super simple because our kids are small. Yeah. Um, so they can remember it. It's the camps are kind, the camps are brave, the camps are strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the camps do the right things. They do the hard things. They do the fun things. Yep. And so like, we'll have conversations about that at dinner yep. time. Of just like, hey, what was one thing you did today that was brave, you know? Yeah. Um, and just because it, re- it like reinforces that identity, right, for Absolutely. them. So, and then it just sparks these conversations, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're having this awesome conversation. You're present with your yep. kid, and then same thing at, at, at bedtime, right? And so it's like, it's not that hard. You just yep. have to have a little bit of planning, yep. um, and you have to have the 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 intention to be present with your kid. It's you know, intentionality, and yeah, you're right. The presence. I mean, I I had uh, something that I try to tell like, you know, when I'm leading small groups with like young couples and young families and things like that. Something I try to tell the, the guys all the time is that one of the ways you show your kids love is through your schedule. Mm-hmm. Your schedule is one of the ways that you you show your kids love. And um, a lot of the times we think, well, I work hard, I provide for my family. I, that's how I show them that I love them. Um, but they don't feel that. Yeah, that's table stakes, you know I mean? man. That, that's yeah. that, that's that's your job, like baseline, you know. Exactly. Yeah, and and you're like, man, the ki- the your kids are not going to feel that. It's when you when you make sure that they're a priority on your schedule and and you're intentional, you know, about about how you're spending your time. And then, you know, Andy Stanley says this great thing about you know choosing to cheat, and you should choose at times to cheat on work for your kids and for your family. And when they mm-hmm. see that, when they experience that, when they see dad came home early from work to drive me up to a UGA girls soccer game, you know what I mean? Like, uh, man, that speaks volumes. They'll never forget those moments. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's hard to do, man, for sure. It is. Uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm as guilty at it as everybody else is too. Right. You oh. know, I leave, I leave this company about dads. It's like, I'm guilty yeah. too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect. But mm-hmm. one thing that helps, right, is, is, yeah, is having that calendar, building that calendar, yeah. and then prioritizing what's important first, right? And so yep. I know, like, today, I'm going to have to hop off this podcast here in about four minutes because yep. I am going to two softball games, right? There you go. Yeah. And so, like, like hey, that's sorry to read. I love our conversation, but, like, we yep. got four minutes, man, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it's like that, right? It's just, it's just like putting it on the calendar what's important first. Um, but before we do wrap, though, so you – you tell like the most hilarious stories about your kids oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every time you're out there yeah. and it's, it's so relatable. Yeah. Um, and, but one that really struck me, man, um, uh, you know, was, it might've been a month ago, two months ago. Um, but really talking about like how we just need to be our, our kid's biggest fan. And it was the story about, um, you know, your kid playing basketball, right. Yeah. And like shooting hoops and it took forever. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and, um, I, I, it's, it's so funny that you told that story because literally like the day before had like the exact same experience with, yep. with my kid with softball and like hitting her ground balls and stuff, you know? Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, just, just so powerful that like at the end of the day, like when we, we talk about all this stuff about a biblical perspective, being masculine, you know, being yep. a man, but like what our kids need is like, they need us to show up. They need us to be present. And they need us to know, they need to know that like you, you love them, you support them and you accept them. Right. Yep. 
um, when it comes down to it, you know? And so like that, that story just resonated with me, man. Um, yeah. you know, just, just about like, you know, they're, they're down on themselves. Um, but, but you still believe in them and that just means yeah. the, the world to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's, that was, you know, that story came out of the apostle Paul was talking to a group of Christians about how he had served them. And he used three images and the images that he used, he said, first, I was gentle like a child. He said, I was nurturing like a mom. And then he says, I was encouraging like a father. And you go, oh, man, according to the Apostle Paul, dads aren't just the rule makers, but they're encouraging for their kids along the way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and, um, and so there's something about uh, the way that we love and challenge our kids that has to be encouraging. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Believe in the best in them, not giving up on them when they want to give up on them. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's I, I, I love that image. And that's what he relates to dads you know mm-hmm. yeah so yeah man yeah that was that was me and me and blakely in the uh in the driveway working on the free throws you know yeah <laughs> yeah same thing man we were out in the uh kind of the, this like big lawn area in our neighborhood hitting ground balls and and i made a deal with us we had this big net set up like by first base you know and yeah. i made a deal i was like hey you do five in a row like you've got to catch it not bobble it you've got to get a good throw or first base and it's got to go in the net yeah. and I, I tell you what man it it probably took us like an hour and a half like to oh, get yeah. like five, five balls right and like yep. multiple crying sessions you know and like, that was literally <laughs> us with the free throws and i was like if you hit five in a row i'm gonna get you gibbets for your crocs i was like <laughs> we're getting gibbets for the crocs if you can hit five in a row and the the you know the you know this like the matter she got and the more like tears the worst she was shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, this is going to take all night. And then finally she calmed down enough and I was cheering her on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that encouragement, man. The other thing, the other thing with, with the encouragement is, uh, and I, I know you got to go, but um, it, it is remembering our, how much our words carry weight and being mm-hmm. mindful of the words that we use. You know, I had a moment with my daughter the other night where um, she didn't want to tell me, about a bad practice that she had and um you know she'd gotten some critique at practice for soccer yada 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 and she hadn't had a good practice and some things she needed to work on and she you know I came up just to ask how practice was and she buries her head in her pillow and she's just weeping and I was like what's the matter and um and I remember you know through her tears and through the pillow she said uh she goes I don't want to tell you and I said, why not? And she said, I want you to be proud of me. Mm. Uh, man, sorry, I get emotional because I realized um, with my words, I had unintentionally yep. attached my pride in her to all the things that she does, mm-hmm. not just to who she is as my daughter. Yeah. And uh, I just want to encourage all the dads out there to remind us that we can't always attach our pride in our kids to the things that they do. Yeah. But also reminding them that we're just proud of who they are. Yeah. Just, hey, you're an amazing young man or an amazing young woman. And I love you because you're my kid. And if you mess up and you totally screw the whole thing up tomorrow, your dad still loves you. You know what I mean? Like, and so I've tried to make sure that I'm, I'm reiterating that, not just telling her that I'm proud or not telling my boys that I'm proud of them for what they do, but yep. also for, they are you know what I yeah mean? so yeah. just reinforcing that man that's that's been one of my things that I'm like ah oh, like that struck me the other day yeah no I mean that our, our words absolutely have weight you know and and yep. and sometimes even when we think we're saying the right thing right like it unintentionally it might cause cause something yeah. down the line right and like like yeah. you know example of this is is at, at the table like two days ago or something um we, I even for like forget exactly what was happening, but my wife had said to one of my daughters, like, oh, you're just, you know, you're just so lazy or whatever. Right. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Uh, um, I was like, I was like, you're acting lazy. Right. I was like, yes. I, don't, I don't, I don't want, you know, you to identify yourself as like, I'm a lazy person, you know, it's so like little, little, yeah. little things like that. Right. Just like how yep. we're approaching it with our language. Um, but dude, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. And that's a great thing to, to do a bedtime routine is just to make that something you say to them. And that, that's what exactly. I do is I say, Hey, I'm, I love you. I'm proud of you. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that you're mine is what I tell them like yes. every night, you yeah. know? Um, and, and that way they're not, they're not tying, you know, me being proud of them to some external result. Right. Um, just that I love you for who you are, you know? Yep. Yeah, dude. That's awesome. So we'll read, man. Um, let, let's wrap dude. I, I'd love yeah. to have another conversation at some point, yeah. um, you know, dive into some more stuff. Um, you know, and, um, is there anywhere that guys can go? Um, you know, to find out more about Gwinnett Church or, or more about you um, that we can yeah. direct them to? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, GwinnettChurch.org if you want to check out what's going on at the church. Uh, it's also social media, um, Gwinnett Church, or uh, if they want to find out things about me, read more on, I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook. You got TikTok? Um, you got some TikTok nah, videos no, going? No, no TikTok. And I'm like, no, nah, man, I, <laughs> I I got out of student ministry. And so I got off all that stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm on Instagram. And then, uh, yeah, man. Yeah. That that's the, probably the best way to, to look up stuff about me. Awesome. Well, Reed, thank you for coming on, man. Awesome yeah, discussion. Um, yeah. guys, if you got value from this, drop down below, do two things, leave a review. And then I want you to share this episode with another dad that needs to hear this message. Um, cause there may be something in here that, that Reed and I talked about, right. That, that a, a dad is going through that we have no idea uh, about, right. And they're, they're burying that. And this conversation right here might be what they need to, to break out to start making changes. So share it with another dad and leave us a review. Uh, Reed, thank you again for coming on, man. Um, right. and, and I don't get to say this with, with many of the guys come on here, but I'll, I'll see you at church, man. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So all right, guys, well, that's it. And we will see you on the next episode.